This is a commentary on the readings for Thursday of the sixth week of Easter. Our readings are from Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, Psalm 98, and John's Gospel chapter 16, verses 16 to 20. As we continue our journey through the history of the early church as depicted in Acts, we encounter a new reality that would play a vital role. Aquila and Priscilla appear at a time when Paul had experienced a number of difficulties in his ministry. In Philippi, he was flogged, arrested, and thrown into prison after casting an evil spirit out of a woman who had a spirit of divination. Paul then traveled to Thessalonica, where after preaching Jesus Christ as the Messiah, some Jews whipped up the crowd so that he had to escape with his life. The same Jews followed Paul to Berea, again inciting the crowds, causing Paul to flee to Athens, where he had mixed results with the Greek intellectuals. Finally, Paul ends up in Corinth, where he has a vision of Jesus who says, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man shall attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. For Jesus to say such words likely meant that Paul was at a point of discouragement, feeling alone and without resources. Who were these people Jesus is referring to? For one, a married couple who took Paul into their home. This couple would play an important role in Paul's ministry as they are mentioned six times by him in four different books. In Romans chapter 16 verses 3 to 4, he calls them my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life. In fact, it appears that they hosted a house church in Rome that Paul refers to in Romans chapter 16 verse 5 and also a house church in Corinth according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 19. When Paul left Corinth, Aquila and Priscilla accompanied him to assist in Ephesus. Paul moved on to Caesarea and left Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus where they encountered Apollos, an eloquent and fiery preacher who had an inadequate formation knowing only the baptism of repentance by John and the Old Testament scriptures. So Aquila and Priscilla take him aside and teach the finished work of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection and the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It is apparent that their many months listening to the preaching of St. Paul formed Aquila and Priscilla sufficiently that they could pass on that faith to the next generation. This is vital, because as many have stated, Christianity is never more than one generation away from extinction. Apollos would go on to Achaia, where Luke reports in Acts chapter 18, verse 28, quote, He powerfully confuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus, end of quote, and then helped foster spiritual growth in the city of Corinth, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Aquila and Priscilla apparently had a very wide influence among the various churches because in St. Paul's closing remarks, in Romans chapter 16, he states that not only is he grateful for Aquila and Priscilla's ministry, quote, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, end of quote, are grateful as well. It should be noted that Aquila and Priscilla 
accomplished all of this while at the same time working as tent makers. In fact, Paul met Aquila and Priscilla as he was looking for work in Corinth in the same trade. It reminds us that secular affairs like trying to make a living need not be a bar to mission. One can serve God while also working at one's profession. It was apparent that Aquila and Priscilla did not elevate tent-making to their sole concern in life, but made room for God. In fact, they were likely working as tent-makers to support their greater concern of helping the church grow. What lessons can be learned from what we know about Aquila and Priscilla? First, God's providence is at work, especially in the lives of those who love him, even to the point of bringing good out of evil. The emperor Claudius, who ruled from 41 AD to 54 AD, expelled all Jews from Rome, and that included our couple. This would have been a hardship to pick up one's life and livelihood and move over 750 kilometers away to begin again. But they did not give up on God's goodness, nor become discouraged or disavow Christianity. Rather, they were prepared in Corinth to support the church in whatever way they could. With this openness, God put into their lives the great St. Paul, who needed their hospitality, and a fledgling evangelist Apollos, who needed their wisdom. Second, one does not have to be an ordained minister or work in an official capacity in the church to be effective. There is no evidence that either was the case for this couple. What they did have at their disposal, however, was each other. Every place in the New Testament where their ministry is referenced, we find both Aquila and Priscilla named together. They seem to be united as one in their marriage, their work, and their ministry, and were a great example of a lay couple totally committed to Christ and his church. We find other such families in the New Testament who are models for us today, such as Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, who supported the Lord, and Eunice and Lois, mother and grandmother of Timothy, who were instrumental in the formation of this future bishop. Third, the home became for Aquila and Priscilla a place for gathering the faithful. House churches at this time were not infrequent due to the persecution of Christians in the Roman Empire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, we hear, quote, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple area and to breaking bread in their homes, end of quote. To break bread was a code word for celebrating the Eucharist. Several examples of house churches are mentioned in the New Testament, including Mary's house church in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, quote, when Peter realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where they were gathered together and were praying, end of quote. Nympha's house church in Colossians chapter 4, verse 15, quote, Give greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house, end of quote. And Aphia's house church in Philemon, verses 1 to 2, quote, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, Athia, our sister, and the church in your house. Although house churches 
disappeared after Christianity was legalized and formal church buildings were constructed, the idea is still relevant today. According to the Second Vatican Council's dogmatic constitution on the church, the family is, so to speak, the domestic church. Paragraph 11 goes on to state, quote, In it, parents should, by their word and example, be the first preachers of the faith to their children. They should encourage them in the vocation which is proper to each of them, fostering with special care vocation to the sacred state. End of quote. In addition to the domestic church, Christians can offer their homes to others for Bible study, prayer, and faith sharing in an atmosphere of hospitality that builds up the body of Christ, where people can share intimately their story and receive support. In a large parish, where liturgical norms may discourage informal sharing, small home groups can provide the communal life necessary for personal growth. Members learn from each other as they share life's struggles and how the teachings of Christ and His Church were helpful. In addition, accountability and mentoring can provide essential avenues for nurturing for maturity. In the concluding verse of today's first reading, we hear of the tremendous success Paul had in his first 18-month stay in Corinth. Quote, Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord together with all his household, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized, end of quote. Would this have been possible without the help of Aquila and Priscilla? Only God knows, but Aquila and Priscilla are certainly part of this success. As Paul himself would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, He who plants and he who waters are equal, and each shall receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. In today's gospel, Jesus says, Very truly, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. May we use the particular charisms God has given us to help bring about this joy to others and cooperate with God's grace to build up the body of Christ.